Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs hoodie, the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Chris Gianta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing really well today. We got some breaking news uh, on this podcast, like minutes before we went on. And it's news that I think a lot of baseball fans have been wanting to hear for years now. And it's finally happening. Uh, Artie Moreno is exploring selling the Angels. The Angels just announced about 10 minutes before we started recording. This is huge news uh, for various reasons, Chris. You wanted to start out by getting into this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, very big news. Um, I think I think what most fans point to when they think about like Artie Moreno's ownership is the fact that, you know, he's been able, you know, he has signed, he, he has signed Trout to that contract, Rendon to that contract, but outside of that, you can argue that the Angels have been kind of cheap and not pursuing the free agents uh or potential trades that they should have um you know like there have been many many off seasons uh in which fan general baseball fans have been disappointed in have been disappointed in uh, the angels and you know a lot of that starts with ownership especially when you're talking about uh spending big money yeah this is a really important thing for the angels because Artie moreno Make no mistake, he has been their weakness over the past eight years during this time where, you know, they haven't made the playoffs since 2014. They haven't had a winning record since 15. Artie Moreno has been the most hands-on owner just about his entire tenure. Uh, He has more say about the Major League roster than really any other owner outside of just writing checks. And he's not good at it. I mean, go ahead and look at the most recent past GMs the Angels have had and what they're doing now. Right. You know, the first example is Jerry DePoto. He was a GM under Arnie Moreno. As soon as he left, he got a job in Seattle. And right now he's in line to put the Mariners in the playoffs for the first time in two decades. You know, he's having success when he is able to do his own thing. The next example is Billy Epler. He was there for a long time. He got fired in 2020 after that season. And he's now leading a Mets team that is World Series caliber. So Whoever the Angels hire at GM, you know, it's been a perpetual, it doesn't matter if Artie Moreno is going to tell them how to build the roster and they're not going to be able to do what they want. And that is that era is hopefully finally going to be gone. That's probably one of the, I mean, it's only one of the most important uh, things coming out of this, this news here, but uh, that alone is going to put the Angels in a much better spot with a different owner. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think, yeah, I think the the examples of the GMs excelling after uh, leaving the Angels, it's like the uh, it's like the the pitchers that excel after leaving Baltimore. It's like or or Pittsburgh, where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, obviously something's wrong here, and it's not it's not yeah. the uh, it's not the GMs. Um, yeah, I'm I'm trying to look at the uh, Angels salaries and contracts. So it seems as though. Yeah, it's it seems as though uh yeah, so they they're paying they're paying Trout 37.1 million dollars this year, Rendon 36.6 million dollars, and do you want to guess 
who the like who the next highest paid guy is this year? David Fletcher. Uh, no, it's actually Aaron Loop, the uh, left-handed, the Yikes. left-handed uh, reliever. Reliever on a one-year deal, right? He's on a two-year deal, but he's getting paid okay. seven and a half million dollars this year, mm-hmm. and that's their third highest player behind Trout and Rendon. I mean, like who have both been hurt this year? They like it hasn't even come time to pay Otani is worth yet. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a bad situation. I mean. They have a $117 million payroll, it looks like. Um, yeah. This uh this season. And yeah, uh, you know, I, I think that that ought to change if uh if new ownership comes in, because I mean, obviously we've we've already seen that with like the Mets. You know what's really beautiful about uh this news you mentioned, you know, coming time to pay Otani. Now that uh Moreno might be selling why wouldn't you just sign Otani to like a record setting, like $600 million contract if you don't have to pay most of that? Very good point. Very right? good point. Like, um, Hey, whoever, whoever owns next, you can take this on, but I'm going to sign him uh, for a 10 year deal worth, you know, $550 million, the most enormous contract you could ever imagine. And then I'm piecing and I'm not going to pay that. Yeah. Well, like, I've already wanted to make himself useful for once. This is the best opportunity for him to do so. Yeah, he could definitely do that, but uh, the uh, the pitch for getting another owner on board, uh, it you know I think I think you could still get another owner on board, but the, absolutely, yeah. But the, the 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 value goes down for for uh, for picking up the you know going up and buying the team. It might, but I mean I think you'll still be able to get someone in the door who will do a better job. And really, all you have to do to do a better job than Artie Moreno is be willing to spend money and let the GM do what they want. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because and, uh, I do like, sorry to interrupt, but I do like a lot of the moves that Perry Manassian has made uh, during his tenure. Uh, some of them just haven't panned out quite as well, but they're probably already moves. But, you know, I can see Perry's vision. I can see what he's trying to do. It's just that he's had someone in his way. Right, right. Like, you don't, like, it's it's not the GM's fault that the third that third biggest contract on the team is Aaron loop, but Aaron loop was an inherently good move going into that yeah, season. Exactly. But just the you problem know, if, is he's your third Artie Moreno, player. If Artie Moreno was, wasn't in the way they'd have probably, they'd probably be paying a, a, you know, an everyday starter, a, a very quality everyday starter, the third most amount on their team. Yeah. And they got Michael Lorenzen and Noah Syndergaard this off season instead. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, or, or I feel like maybe I'm wrong. I feel like, uh, maybe they're still paying Justin Upton, but it's not showing up on baseball reference. I think. Um, I think that contract ended. Um, or maybe did they release him this year? I thought it was 2018 to 2022. It could have been, uh, you know what? It might be in the buyout option on the bottom of the roster resource. I'm still looking there, and the only thing is uh, Anthony Rendon's suspension, which saved suspension. Artie Moreno. Oh, that thing, yeah. yeah it yeah, saved yeah. Artie Moreno $989,000. So, which is huge him. for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. He must have been so hyped when, when that fight happened. He was like, ah, oh, I'm saving so much money right now. Um, um, yeah, but uh, also- Paris, the fourth most paid. Yeah. 
it, it's pretty yeah tough. it's pretty bad like you know those I, i'm it, seeing justin upton here um players please on players no longer on the 40-man roster he's getting he got paid 28 mil this year yeah okay so on the payroll thing yeah you said so i guess the fourth most is aaron loop and yeah. the third the third most is a guy who was released correct um, um. <laughs> the biggest the biggest thing to really consider here is what happens with shohei otani now because you know it either sets up a trade or a mega extension i think it's going to be one of the two like i really don't think i think that the probability of shohei finishing out his contract with the angels as it is currently is close to zero yeah true like he's either going to be on another team or he's going to be locked up it's going to be there's no in between there true and i mean like yeah there could be there could maybe be a trade but like if you trade Shohei Otani, you're not getting the right value back. It's, no, that just isn't go- – that's not possible. Yeah. Because like, even if you do get a pitcher that's just as good and a hitter that's just as good, that's two roster spots instead of one. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it has to be – it would have to be a full-on blockbuster deal where the Angels also get super – like actual superstars. Yes. But that's, that's not like, how MLB trades work. No, the the last trade I can remember like that was like the Prince Fielder for Ian Kinsler trade. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which I, was I mean, ten years ago, and also two past their prime players. Yes, very much so. So, so, so yeah, and also uh, another another small like kind of below the surface thing that I was thinking about with this Artie Moreno news is like. And maybe it's changed since the, the article came out, but I do remember that ESPN article describing like the uh, the way of life for minor leaguers and the Angels yep. farm system was highlighted uh, was was highlighted, and you could probably say that they maybe had the worst. They were treated the worst uh, out of any farm system. You know, just talking about how they're kind of malnourished. You know, they can't really afford to, they. They're just not, they're not treated properly, not treated like guys that are going to be big league stars soon enough, um, which is, you know, Angels player development also hasn't been that great. So that might have something mm-hmm. to do with it, but that a lot, a lot of that has to do with the owner being cheap and not, you know, giving the minimal amount of money to, uh, to treat the players correctly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, the, the promising thing, and I know that this has probably been a, a topic of conversation for years, which is rotating names, but the Angels do have some promising names on this roster for the future. I know that this is kind of a lost season, but you can look at it and say, hey, Reed Demers is a piece for the future, right? Patrick Sandoval could be an ace in the making. Uh, Taylor Ward could be a quality bat for you. Like you have guys that you can build off of outside of Trout and Otani and Rendon, you know, that are that have promise and the foundation is there you know assuming they keep Shohei which at this point I I might guess would be that's the most likely scenario but you know it's clear where the room for improvement is but at the same time you know who you got your guys are going forward which is definitely more appealing for a potential owner coming in um yeah absolutely like you know Trout he does have some he does have some injury problems, but when he's on the field, he's still Mike Trout. He's very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shohei Otani, obviously. I mean, that's 
that's a guy who you can rely on for success for probably a long time. I mean, we've only seen the pitcher, the pitcher hitter, hitter thing be great for a couple of years, but I mean, there's nothing suggesting he can't do that for, for a while here. Especially then, with the way that he takes care of his body. Like Joe Madden has said, like, I've never seen anyone. And Ichiro, like people said the same thing about Ichiro and he played till he was 47. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so, uh, and then Rendon, you know, he's, he's come off a couple rough incomplete seasons, but he's getting surgery on that wrist that has been aggravating for him the, the past couple of years. And I think he's still showing signs of the Anthony Rendon they signed up for. And he's, he's got four years on that four years left on that deal and he can uh he can definitely contribute a lot so yeah i think i agree with you that they they do have something to build off of yeah and i don't know i mean i think going back to the uh the Artie moreno being super hands-on thing you would think that if he's that hands-on he would recognize hey shohei's probably not a guy that we should trade yeah yeah true and uh there were like rumblings of stuff this trade deadline but nothing serious mm-hmm. so um well with with Shohei I know they uh I think before the luckily for them before the 2021 season they signed him to a a two-year thing to avoid arbitration which put him at you know he's getting paid only 5.5 million dollars this year upcoming is his third year of arbitration where he would likely set the arbitration record. The current arbit- third-year arbitration record is $27 million. Yeah. Um, he'd, he'd probably get at He's least $30 million. How, does he, how did he get $5 million out of ARB2? Oh, wait, that was probably in the deal, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that, okay. that was a two-year deal that avoided arbitration. So before 2021. Yeah. Oh, that's fun then. So this is the first year they're going to have to actually pay him, assuming they don't trade him. Which, yeah, yeah. Uh, it would be a real it would be a real Artie Moreno move to trade him on his way out. <laughs> yeah, yeah that would be the most scumbag thing ever yeah that would uh <laughs> um they also should suck. they also should get a backup catcher that is not named Kurt Suzuki next year I know that's a, a very small issue but I mean I think back to that graphic that the the angels uh like valley sports angels made uh in 2021 like campaigning for Suzuki's all-star campaign because he was on the ballot and it was like 200 average like three home runs, 13 RBIs, <laughs> which that yeah. was, uh, that ended up going pretty viral. <laughs> um, yeah, there's... this is, this is good news. Yeah. There's absolutely. no other way of, of putting it. Um, I think we all agree that, um, Elon Musk should buy the angels. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, if you can pay what was it like forty four billion dollars for for Twitter, you can definitely pay like two billion for the Angels. He probably got rumblings before rumblings of Artie Moreno exploring selling the team before anyone else did because he was he probably heard that and it was like I don't need this Twitter thing. I got to pay Shohei Otani. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. With like one percent of my my like daily earnings. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, any, anything more on the, uh, news about angels owner, Artie Moreno, uh, this is, this is all the team. This is probably the best news. The angels could have gotten like outside of we've signed Shohei to an extension. 
Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what better news could have been out there. And I do think that there's good reason to believe that Artie could just pay Shohei on his way out and give him a major deal that Artie will not have to pay. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, like it'll, like, I think that would be the best. I mean, it's the best thing for the angels franchise, no doubt, mm-hmm. because you know, that's a guy that obviously is a once in a lifetime type of player. Uh, it's a guy you want on your team and no trade can give you the value that you, you would hope to get for him. Yeah. And, and say, you know, say that he does give him like, as you said, a, a $550 million contract, like sure. Maybe the owner is going to step into a large contract, but I mean, Shohei definitely sells a lot of tickets for the angels. And also like you're going in, you're going in like with the angels being like more, a, a more positive fan base than you would have had, had, you know, Shohei not been extended. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, uh, that's, that's the angels and Artie Moreno. Yeah. It's weird um, because Artie was like, you know, he was obviously, he had no problem investing in the team. He just was so bad at the day-to-day operations. Right. Like, I think the biggest upgrade of the angels getting are getting in a new owner is a guy that will hopefully let the gm do their thing yeah true and and also i think a lot of it is like sure Artie moreno did sign the big deals he signed you know mike trout to mm-hmm. over 400 million he signed anthony rendon to over to 245 million he signed justin upton to whatever it was 125 million or something like that but you know you you also need to have like the the three-year $50 million deal. You, like with, with what the Mets did this year, they signed Marte to like, you know, 76 million. They signed Marcana to uh, a two-year deal worth over $10 million a year. Mm-hmm. Like those mid, like not low-level deals. Mid-level free agents. Like mid, yeah, mid-level free agents that are going like, to help the team. Yeah, you know, like Aaron Loop was a, was a good example of that, but that was all they did. Yeah, and like that was the mo- like that was the only mid-level free agent. Like I don't even know if I would have considered Michael Lorenzen and Noah Syndergaard to be to have been as such. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um. Yeah. Uh. Exactly. So. So yeah. So with the with, that's 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 the Angels. Um, we had uh some I guess sabermetric news today. Yeah. Today and say or yeah now for our uh, edition of today and sabermetric news, um, yeah, Fangraphs just, released an app. They also, did. this is also uh, off offhand. We uh, we were in contact. We we kind of uh, talked to a little bit to Sean Foreman, uh, the founder of Baseball Reference, over the weekend. So that was pretty cool. But anyway, yes, fan. Now now it's time for Fangraphs news. Yeah, Fangraphs uh, came out with a mobile app yesterday morning. This is something that if you're like really deep into the Sabermetric community, you know how desired a Fangraphs app has been and you know why it's been so desired. Because yeah. using the mobile site is just awful. Especially like just like scrolling on it just doesn't work. Uh, trying to find like the leaderboards or just like scrolling through like uh, tabs like certain years and whatnot. It just it doesn't function very well uh admittedly the app is pretty incomplete right now but uh 
like Jay Jaff and other fan graphs, like senior writers and personalities have said that they are working to add other things. So uh, it's, it's big news. I think it's going to help grow the sabermetric community for sure. You know, it's going to make things a lot easier. And this is exciting because I mean, like baseball reference and baseball savants have had no issues working on a mobile app or not even on an app, but like the mobile website, you know, they, they function the same way that the website does fan graphs has just been different, but now, now there's a way to actually use fan graphs on mobile. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, using fan graphs on mobile, like you can do it. It's just going to be very frustrating Um, because yeah, I mean, especially if you're looking for like splits leaderboards and you're trying to pick a certain date, you know, you'll, you'll be trying to select, Oh, I want to find the stats since August 2nd. And then like the thing will like the, the page will just jump to the right, like <laughs> yep. a, a lot. And then like, and you'll misclick you'll be... seven times because the thing will just keep moving. Exactly. And then you'll scroll and then it says, uh, the web, the web page you're trying to reach, we could not find or something like that. Yeah. Not only that, but like, say you're trying to find like the wins above replacement leaders since like 1970, when you start scrolling down the years, the page will just go down with it and then you'll lose the, you'll lose the, uh, the tab for the years. Yeah. That you just can't, sucks. you can't really scroll like, yeah, you can't really scroll through that well, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, a fan graphs app has been desired for years and it's, I mean, you know, it's finally here right now. Obviously it's incomplete, but it's, it's a step. Yeah. 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 It's definitely incomplete. Like I was kind of looking and being like, all right, what can I do here? But if they can install um, a good leaderboard um, roster leaderboard and roster resource and prospect list, that's like what they're missing right now. Yeah. Um, You know, leaderboards, split leaderboards and what I will say is like what I what I enjoy about the app is like the the whole playoff odds thing is very yeah. accessible and you know that's a very important thing to look at right now so it's good on fan graphs for doing that for sure. One thing that they also have that's uh that's unique to the app and doesn't appear to be on the website is on like the main screen you can see the wins above replacement leaders for hitters and pitchers. Yep. And you can scroll yep. through the top 5 so like right now you know I'll put this up to the screen if you want to check it out on YouTube. So, like, you know, there's Aaron Judge, and there's Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Manny Machado, Francisco Lindor. And then for pitching, it's, you know, Kevin Gosman, there's Carlos Rodon, Sandy Alcantara, Aaron Nola, Max Freed. Like, having that accessible on the main page is very cool, and it's definitely a good thing that makes the app unique. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, it, it definitely the, – the homepage interface looks pretty clean. Yeah. No doubt about it. Um, any more thoughts on the, uh, on the sabermetric news of the day? I'd say that's, I mean, there's not really much else other than Fangraph's got an app. I think if you, if you've been in the sabermetric community, you really know, you like, you understand the, the struggle of trying to scroll Fangraph's on mobile. And the fact that that one day will be a thing of the past is good. Yeah. I just hate, I hate where I'm in a, I'm in a situation Maybe I'm out in the woods. I'm not near Wi-Fi. I have a little bit of data, but someone is asking me, you know, who are the best Royals catchers, catcher seasons in history? And it's like, I got to go on this Fangraphs mobile site. This is going to take a while. I'm going to get very frustrated, but hopefully with Fangraphs, with the Fangraphs app and new updates, I'm not going to be so frustrated. So 
anytime you're out just randomly in the woods with no Wi-Fi or computer, <laughs> and you just have to rely on your data and your and and your baseball research tools on your phone, uh, you'll be you should be all set. Because everyone knows when you're stranded in the woods and there's a bear attack, the first thing to do is look up the pitcher leaders for wins above replacement. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, glad we got, uh, glad, uh, glad we got that going. Um, last subject of the day. I mean, it's been a subject. It's kind of weird. It, like we're talking about how good the Dodgers have been. And a lot of the time when the Dodgers are doing good, we're like, yeah, of course the Dodgers should be doing good. Mm-hmm. And I will say they lost last night. So I guess the narrative is, is cool. They got down shut up. out last night by, uh, who was it that pitched? Eric Lauer. Yeah. And despite this, they've still won 35 of their last 43. They have the best record in baseball in this span. They have the best they've record also in baseball. ended the division race in the NL West. No doubt about it. Yeah. Not mathematically, but you know, essentially it's, it's over. Yeah. Um, and they have the best record in baseball since July 4th by five and a half games, which is pretty crazy. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're they're uh, I do have more stats on them, but they've been, or the last stat I'll say before I hand it off to you is their Pythagorean win loss has them at 33 and 10. So mm-hmm. like, even the Pythagorean win loss shows that they've been absolutely dominant. They have 5.8 runs per game and three runs allowed per game. It's a, uh, it's insane what the what the Dodgers dominance this uh, this past like seven weeks I'd say. It's been completely absurd, and I mean it's been uh, a pretty up and down. Uh, it's been a pretty team oriented win streak, I guess, or win. I don't know how to describe it, but just hot streak because like just about every player on the team has been doing extremely well. Like Freddie Freeman is uh, just outside that top five wins above replacement list. Max Muncy is finally starting to, uh, uh, to get it going. He struggled for a large portion of the season and he actually just got an extension recently, but in the month of August, uh, he is slashing 333, 429, 767 for a 227 weighted runs created plus and 1.3 wins above replacement that ranks tied for seventh highest among position players throughout August. And he was the type of guy that you knew was going to figure it out eventually. It was just a matter of when, and it's been now. Mookie Betts additionally has been Mookie Betts. Uh, 313, 349, 575 for a 156 weighted runs created plus, plus solid defense and base running. Uh, Will Smith has continued to be the best offensive catcher in baseball outside of maybe Adley Rushman this year. Uh, 333, 387, 545 for a 157 weighted runs created plus, 0.8 F4. Uh, it's they've just been outstanding and I mean it's you knew that something like this was going to happen and it's crazy because the Dodgers it seems like they just keep outdoing themselves every single year like in 2017 it was like this might be the best Dodgers team ever and then in 2019 we said the same thing and then you know 2020 they were on pace to do the same thing they didn't but they did win the World Series which was good Uh, 2021 they 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 won 106 games and didn't win the division and this year they're doing the same thing. They're 84 and 37. I think they're actually on like a, like the way they've played since like, what has it been like in June? They're on like a, like past an 01 Mariners pace. Um, 
Yeah, maybe. I know that uh, overall near they're on pace for 112 wins, um, which is also insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, if if you went since June, I think I would imagine that that's that's the case where they would outpace the the 2001 Mariners. Um, yeah, the, the the team has been insane, as you mentioned. I mean, also another guy since July 4th, which is when they've been 35 and eight uh gavin lux is hitting 317 with a 944 ops and a 164 weighted runs created plus uh and freddie freeman freddie freeman's doing what he's been doing all year uh all career yeah since july 4th he's hitting 350 with a 966 ops and a 168 weighted runs created plus um and then team wise since july 4th the Dodgers have the best position player F war by three wins. It goes 13.6 and then 10.6. Uh, they also lead in weighted runs created plus with 134 and they lead in runs scored doubles and triples. And they lead the league in uh, team ERA, which is 2.64. They have a 2.64 team ERA, uh, which ranks first in major league baseball since July 4th. And that's not just the pitching. Uh, although it's largely the pitching, but it's also also the defense, defensive positioning. Obviously, the Dodgers shift usually more than anybody in baseball, and they shift very, shift very effectively. And it says something about the team when Walker Bueller has been out this entire time. Clayton Kershaw's had an injury stint. Uh, Dustin May has been out, just came back. I mean, even last year, I mean, they they lost a, a former Cy Young winner as well, um, and they're they still have the best. They also lost Kenley Jansen over the offseason, and they still have the best team ERA in a uh, 43 game span. They also lost Max Serger. I mean, I know that, you know, he was yeah, never true. going to be a part of this season, but they did lose him, right? Uh, yeah. Using a different date, date of reference, since June 21st, which is about, you know, two weeks before the one you used. Uh, they have 17.5 F war and the second place St. Louis Cardinals are at 12.9. So they're about four and a half wins uh, yeah. uh, better from that point on. And they have a 133 weighted runs created plus, which is just one, one point lower than, than that of July 4th. So yeah. In uh, two more weeks. Exactly. Uh, additionally, since June 21st, their pitching has been doing what you think it would. They are the best F war in the NL uh, at 9.0. The next best is the Phillies at 8.1. That's pretty encouraging. They have a 2.76 ERA uh, with a 3.35 FIP that leads the majors. Uh, it's been yeah. they've just been clicking on all cylinders. Not like not just clicking, but like elite, like historically elite on all cylinders. Yeah, exactly. And I, one thing I forgot to mention was the individual statistics since this date. I mean, Julio Arias has been. Uh, in, in terms of run prevention, one of the best guys out there uh, since July 4th, 52 innings, nine in nine starts, 190 ERA, 267 FIP. Tyler Anderson, 51 innings pitched, 212 ERA. Uh, Evan Phillips, I highlighted as a how about that. He's gone 16 and two thirds innings pitched, 0.54 ERA, 1.43 FIP. Um, Alex Vesia out of the bullpen, 15 and a third innings pitch, uh, 1.76 ERA. Caleb Ferguson, 15 and two thirds innings, 
0.57 ERA. Uh, Dustin May just came back. He had five shutout innings. Uh, looks like uh, nine strikeouts. Yeah, I mean, the level, the level of pitching, the level of everything from this Dodgers team has been pretty wild. And I mean, uh, I guess to push the narrative further, it's like, so, okay, so they're doing great now. Uh, how is, how is this going to translate to the playoffs? Well, I mean, this is, this is the question every year with this team, right? I mean, they've won one world series in this run where they've just been dominant every single year. And some people refuse to acknowledge the existence of that world series, which is, you know, it's whatever it's their prerogative. I, I don't know. I've never understood that, but that's a different conversation. Anyway, they have the depth to do it, right? That lineup is just ridiculous. Like the nine hitter can kill you just as much as the leadoff hitter can. Yeah. Um, they've had Trace Thompson come in here, by the way, and just dominate. Like I literally saw him in Worcester like a month, <laughs> like two months ago, and now he has 1.6 B war for the Dodgers. Yeah. Which is like, that just goes to show you uh, yeah, how unreal. ridiculous this team is. Trace Thompson is a 140 OPS plus in 131 plate appearances this year. Uh, 513 slugging as well. Yeah, I mean, that really just speaks to the, the amount of depth on this team. I think the starting pitching is the biggest question mark, so to speak. But even then, like, you know, they have Tyler Anderson. They have who's, you know, broken out this year and has had excellent strikeout to walk numbers. Uh, they've had Julio Arias, uh, you know, to do his thing. He's probably pitching better or maybe even just as well as they did last year because he's been doing very well. Tony Gonsolin, he does have a low ERA that is not exactly backed up by his FIP, but he still has a 3-3-4 FIP. Uh, and then they have Andrew Heaney, who casually has a 177 ERA. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot of depth to that rotation. Uh, I know Kershaw is supposed to be coming back in maybe a week or so. Which it is, is very uh, funny when you look at uh, what the Dodgers rotation was coming into 2021 versus what it is now, and they've performed in the exact same way that you thought they would have when they had all those guys, when they had, you know, uh, like start of 2021, they had Kershaw and they had Bueller and they had Bauer. Obviously, that was a whole different thing, but, you know, they had him coming off of a Cy Young Award. They had Dustin May. They had uh, Arias. And now it's just a completely different look. Obviously, they have May back now. But they have the pitching that, you know, based on names you think are uh, destructible. I don't want to say destructible. But, you know, they're they're not impenetrable, right? Like, you can, yeah. you know, like, in theory, it's like, oh, it's Tyler Anderson. It's Andrew Heaney. We can hit those guys. They have been pitching extraordinarily well this year. And... You know, they're not, it's yeah. not, it's not the Yankees, Andrew Heaney. It's not the, the pirates, Tyler Anderson, like there's the Dodgers versions of these guys and they're so much better. And also like, you know, someone like, you know, I'll, I'll look at, you know, the differences of like ERA and fit, but it's like a lot of that has to do with the Dodgers defense, their defensive positioning. And when they get into the playoffs, that Dodgers defense and their shifts are still going to be there. So like, you know, it's the recipe for guys like Gonsolin, guys like Anderson and Arias, and it's going to work out for them. And, and uh, I mean, I think that's going to continue to stay, to, stay, to stay the same. So as long as they pitch well to those shifts and to that defense uh, while getting their own strikeouts, walks, and home run f- prevention, it should work out for them. 
I think the biggest question mark with this team is is undoubtedly Craig Kimbrell and just the closer role in general, because uh, over his last ten appearances, Kimbrell has a five seven nine ERA, a four nine four FIP, an eight forty one OPS against, a three forty four BABIP, which isn't that outrageously bad considering what his numbers have looked like. Um, he's given up a home run. He has five walks to seven strikeouts, which. Like, for Kimbrell, seven strikeouts in nine and a third innings pitched is bad. Like, that's actually a cause for concern going forward because even when Craig Kimbrell's had his struggles throughout his career, he's still been able to get his strikeouts, and he just hasn't been doing that during this time. Uh, So, you know, you think if there's any reason the Dodgers can't do it, it might be the ninth inning. Um, True, true. And, I mean, they have had that concern before, I remember, like, in 2020 – they weren't exactly trustworthy of Kenley Jansen. Um, no. uh, but, you know, they did work through it. But and I think also um, if they do end up keep carrying that problem into the playoffs is like they have enough starters where they could throw a couple of them into the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, and, David Price, David Price uh, threw a yeah. quote unquote no hitter like the last 27 batters have not uh, gotten a hit or he's gotten 27 outs without giving up a hit recently. Yeah, that's crazy. Also, random stat, I know it doesn't have anything to do with the conversation, but I did notice they have a particular, particularly high ERA+. plus. But, uh, yeah, if the season ended today, the Dodgers would have the best ERA+, plus of any season in the integration era. So Wow. And that's, and that's coming in a down year offensively for the league. Yep. They have that's a impressive. One, they have a 146 team era plus jesus just a uh just a note on craig kimbrell now that we mentioned him this says more about craig and just how just his career than it does with this season with the dodgers but uh his strikeouts per nine this year is 11.6 and it's the lowest in his career in any season by one and a half (laughs) 13.1 was his previous low in 2019 with the cubs yeah (laughs) <laughs> and it's now 11.6, which is like almost Billy Wagner's career. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> That's just absurd. Yeah, it is absurd. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I, the Dodgers, they're, it's, always, it's always been a question of what they'll do in the playoffs for sure. I, I don't think I really worry about Dave Roberts and his decisions as much anymore. Yeah, I, I don't feel either. like he hasn't had a real um, – bad things since a bad decision since 2019 that I can think of. Um, Plus you have so much talent where it's hard to imagine a a bad, uh, a bad move being made. It's like, why did you go with this really good pitcher other than this really good pitcher? Well, cause that guy's a really good pitcher. Yeah. Yeah, of course. For sure. For sure. And I mean, I just, I, I know last year when the Dodgers got passed, the Giants I was like Dodgers are definitely winning the World Series and yep. I mean it just it didn't happen they lost in six games um kind of weird how it how it happened but it it's just, sometimes it's just a matter of that is it just didn't happen yeah like there's no real fingers you can point other than maybe just a couple guys that underperforms um but yeah they were kind of just outplayed by the Braves and there was nothing there was nothing else to it so you know, we'll see how they line up uh, against the competition this, uh, you know, this upcoming this year. I know they'll probably be, they'll, 
De- most definitely they have a twenty three percent chance to win the World Series, according to Baseball Reference. Yeah, that's, that's pretty wild. Absurd. They have they, a one, uh, just about a one in four chance. Nice. So, yeah the 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 Dodgers, they're the Dodgers. Uh, they're probably going to be the one seed. So, I mean, hypothetically, they could probably face. Well, it could be a four, five, or six seed. I'm pretty sure because it's not bracket style. Yeah. It's like the old NFL playoff. So, could face Braves, Padres, the Brewers, Mets. the Cardinals, the Phillies. I, uh, yeah, the Mets possibly. Yeah. So, I mean, any any potential National League uh, National League opponent is on deck. Um, yeah. I feel happen. like we need a Dodgers-Mets series this year. That would be pretty sick, yeah. Like, it just – it's got to happen. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. Because both both teams are trending very, very well. But, I mean, if we had a fourth uh, Dodgers-Braves series – or, yeah, or no. Yes, uh, fourth. Yeah, fourth. 2018, 2020, 2021. Yeah, true. If we had a fourth one of those, I'm not complaining. Yeah. Got some great talent on both sides there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Freeman versus his old team. That's pretty crazy. Jansen versus his old team. Yeah. Jansen versus Freeman. Interesting. <laughs> For the fourth time. For the fourth time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, Dodgers are, are uh, doing surprising, still, still managing to uh, surprise us somehow. Um, yep. Doing pretty crazy things. Uh, do we want to get into players to highlight? Let's do it. So, yeah, now into the part we've prepared for the most. Um, looking at players or subjects that have been uh, over or well, exceeding expectations or underperforming, starting with our Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022 edition of How about that? Who do you have for us today? So uh, my how about that is someone that we uh, recently watched play, play some baseball. Uh, and it is Jorge Mateo of the Baltimore Orioles, who has been one of the best shortstops in baseball over the past two months, maybe a month and a half. Since July 10th, he is slashing 322, 359, 612 for a 971 OPS and a 176 weighted runs created plus. His 1.9 F war over the span is the ninth highest among qualified position players. That's a month and a half where Jorge Mateo has been a top 10 player in baseball. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's pretty impressive. Throughout the season, he has a line drive rate of 29.1%, and that ranks third among the 196 right-handed hitters with at least 150 batted balls on the year. And by the way, Mateo is 265, so that's 115 batted balls above the qualifier, uh, and he's still the third highest right-handed hitter. He's also learned to crush curveballs this year uh, on 43 plate appearances against them. He is batting 372 and slugging 791. He also has a 485 Woba against curveballs. Uh, his 5.6 run value per 100 is the third highest among the 276 hitters with at least 25 plate appearances ending against curveballs. That means for every 100 curveballs he gets thrown he produces about 5.6 runs for his team and that's the third highest among 267 
Throughout the year, his swing and miss rate has hovered around 33 to 34% each month from April to June. July, it went down to 31.6%. And in August, it is down to 21%. It is down 10% from the last month, which was a low point. And he's obviously gotten that down even lower. Uh, during the span since July 10th, he has become the only shortstop in Orioles slash Browns history with a 600 slugging percentage and five plus stolen bases over any 34 game span. Jorge Mateo. How about that? Um, saying uh, Jackson Holiday is not going to take over my spot in four years. <laughs> yep, <laughs> he can he can go to second and take Gunnar Henderson's spot instead. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh. Speaking of yeah. Speaking of Jorge Mateo crushing curveballs, I know he. We got to see in person him crush an absolute hanger by uh, Cutter Crawford over Baltimore. So yeah, he really is uh, turning it on. Yeah, I think he has the third highest F four among like American League shortstops this year, like as a whole. Nice. I should have grabbed. Let me let me fact check that. I know this is an inside thing, but I should have replaced Juan DeFranco with uh, Jorge Mateo instead of Dansby Swanson. Well, Dansby's been fine too. Dansby's been Um, fine, but you know. Hang on. It's, uh, it's Teo time. Yeah, among American League shortstops, it goes Bogart, Seeger, Mateo, and then Correa, Bichette for top five. Dang. That's that's nuts. And that's for the whole season, not just for this span. Uh, in this span, he's second among shortstops in F4 behind only Francisco Lindor. Yeah, all, M- all MLB shortstops. Yes. All right, so my how about that? Um, comes from uh, the north side of Chicago. Uh, it's a it's a guy who, like you've mentioned him on your day by day matchups, and I've been like, why is he mentioning him? Like he's not he's not very significant. And then you know I've been looking looking at his stats, and I mean he's been doing great recently. I'm talking about Justin Steele of the Chicago Cubs, starting pitcher in his last nine starts. He has a 147 ERA and a 247 FIP in 49.0 innings pitched. Out of 74 qualifiers in the span, Justin Steele's ERA ranks second and his FIP ranks sixth. Uh, out of 124 pitchers to have 100 plus batted balls against them in this span, his expected slugging against ranks fifth out of 124. Uh, also, with Steele, he's had a dramatic, dramatic increase in strikeout rate. His strikeout rate has gone from 21% before the span to 29% in the span. And his strikeout minus walk rate has gone from 11.2% to 20.6%, you know, from a kind of below average rate to a pretty excellent strikeout minus walk rate. Also, Justin Steele's whiff rate has gone from 21.3% to 26.3%. And uh, particularly in the span, his slider has been amazing. Uh, it's probably his best pitch. And in this span, his slider has a 119 slugging against. Uh, out of 43 pitchers with 200 plus sliders thrown in this span, his slugging against his slider is the lowest. Uh, and overall in the year, Steele has been great at preventing hard contact and barrels. Uh, his his uh, average exit velocity is in the 81st percentile his hard hit rate is in the 84th percentile and he has a 3.4 percent barrel rate 
which is in the 96th percentile in all of baseball. Uh, so Justin Steele really providing some, uh, you know, with, with the Chicago Cubs rotation, how I looked at it before the season was I saw, I saw Marcus Stroman, maybe potential for a Kyle Hendricks comeback and nothing else. But Justin Steele is uh, really providing some some uh, some great starts for uh, for the Chicago Cubs. So Justin Steele. Yeah, not only is he providing great starts, but he's also providing kind of a culture change in that rotation because you think about Cubs pitchers, you know, guys like Kyle Hendricks. They had Zach Davies before uh, even John Lester and like Wade Miley, you know, lefties that they had in the past. It's all softer throwing guys that don't strike out a ton of people. And Justin Steele is becoming a strikeout pitcher in that rotation, which they have lacked for a long time. Right. Um, yeah, I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure he's a he's a fireballer, but I know he he's his strikeout rate is increasing a yeah. lot. I know it's above average right now. Um, and my, uh, that's definitely a change. My biggest L in 2022 will forever be my Cubs player to watch at the beginning of the season because I picked Harold Ramirez, who ended up getting DFA the next day, which to be fair, Harold Ramirez was a previous how about that with a different team. But the two guys I almost picked over him were Scott Efros, who had a good enough year to get traded to a contender, and Justin Steele, who is now a how about that. And I picked a guy that got DFA the next day over those two guys. Yeah, yeah. Which is tough tough but all like but how about that i mean the player did well but i mean yes not for i was right team. on harold ramirez but i was wrong on the team yeah <laughs> don't you hate that don't you hate when that happens yeah uh so yeah um justin Steele. by the way his average fastball velocity is average forcing velocity is 92.2 miles per hour but he is striking out i mean he's in a nine start span, he has a 29% strikeout rate. So uh, he's doing something right, uh, getting those third strikes. Um, so now we go from the highs to the lows where we're talking players or subjects that have been underperforming with our Tuesday, August 23, 2022 edition of Slightly Alarming. Who do you have for us today? My Slightly Alarming is someone who I think I put as a how about that last year. Um, who has just been – it's been really eye-opening how bad he's been and why he's been bad. I'm talking about Ty France, who uh-huh. had, who came back from an injury uh, in early July, and he recently had a reporter come up and ask him if that injury was still lingering, and he was like, do you think I'm, I, I'm bad right now because of my injury? That's not why I'm bad. I'm just not playing well right now. And since August 7th, he is slashing 120, 179, 120 for a 299 OPS and a minus 11 weighted runs created plus. His minus 0.7 F4 during that span is tied for the worst among the 185 qualifiers. And believe me, I've been feeling that. <laughs> yeah. That minus 0.7 F4. Uh, on July 31st, he had a ground ball rate of 46.2% on the season, which is around league average. It's a little higher, but you know it's not outrageous. In the month of August, his ground ball rate is 67.3%, the highest of the 114 hitters with at least 50 batted balls. That is a dramatic increase. Throughout the month of August, pitchers are throwing in the zone to him less, uh, only 42% compared to 44%. And uh, as for, and is, uh, sorry, let me start that again. Throughout the month of August, pitchers are throwing in the zone to him less, only 42% compared to 44%, which was his 
previous season low through any month. And his chase rate has reached a season high uh, in the month of August. It is at 35.3%. His previous low was 31%. In August, 70% of the pitches he is or he has seen 70 pitches in game day zones 12 and 13. That was our, uh, the upper outside corner to righties and the lower inside corner to righties. Uh, and that is, he has swung at 44.3% of those pitches that are all outside. The 11th highest rate among 170 hitters with at least 50 pitches thrown in those zones. And before August, he had only swung at 28.1% of such pitches, which was below league average at the time. So he's gone from one of the higher swing rates uh, on those outside pitches uh, after being below league average. So He's swinging at worse pitches and he's hitting the ball on the ground a lot more. And the result he's been getting is a negative 11 weighted runs created plus. Yeah. Ty France. Slightly alarming. Um, yeah. So I don't know the last time it's happened, but I feel like we went on a little streak, but we do have the same slightly alarming today. Yep. Um, I was going to say, I noticed you didn't have much of a reaction when I stated that he had a 67% ground ball rate. So I was like, Oh, that's a really yeah. surprising stat. I'm surprised Chris isn't like taken aback by it. Well, it was better. It was it was a a better, a higher ground ball rate than the span I chose. So I mean, good on that. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, the span I chose was his last 12 games. He's hitting 120 with a 299 OPS. That's literally the span that I chose. Uh, yeah. So in the span, his on base percentage is fifth worst. His slugging and OPS are third worst uh, out of 185 qualifiers, by the way. Oh. Um, out of 223 batters with 25-plus batted balls in the span, his expected Woba is 13th lowest. Uh, his average exit velocity has gone from 88.1 miles per hour before the span to 83.4 miles per hour, a 4.7-mile-per-hour difference. Uh, also, his average exit velocity in the span is ninth lowest out of 223. Uh, also, his hard hit rate has gone from 38% to 26%. Average launch angle has gone from 20, uh, from 10 degrees to 2 degrees. Uh, ground ball rate has gone from 47.3% to 64.3%. And uh, in this 12-game span, he has the fifth highest ground ball rate out of 223. But I imagine that uh, that... I imagine in the month of August, he's probably like close to first, closer to first. Uh, I used August rate. 7th as my date. Yeah. Oh, you used August 7th? Yeah, I used the month of August for everything else, but for the ground ball rate, rate I chose August 7th. Okay. Or for the, or for, sorry, for the, uh, the bat, like the slash line. Yeah. That's yep. the only thing I chose August 7th for, which it appears you did as well. Yeah. Yep. Um, And yeah, it was tricky because he did have, he did have a bad game in the second half of, of a doubleheader. Of a doubleheader on August sixth. Yep. Yep. Hate when that happens, you know. Sucks. Um, because you can't use since August sixth because his the first game wasn't that bad. First game uh, he had a home run. The second game he went over five. Yeah. So his OPS over the span dropped like seventy points. Yep. <laughs> which is unfortunate. So uh, yeah. Um. I think this is my also my first time talking about a a doing a slightly alarming of someone on your F four team. You, yeah, you've done that. No, you did one on Joey Votto. Oh, I did. I did one on Joey Votto. I think you did. 
Maybe I did. I'm pretty, I I'm pretty sure you did. We, I, if you did, that means you've just done my first baseman. Yes. Because I dropped Joey Votto and added Ty France on May 3rd. Anyway. He's since put up 0.9 F4. Ty France from both of us. Slightly alarming. You know, we've um, had a lot of uh, using the same player, but I don't think we've ever used the same span. Yeah. Or like the, I mean, we've used some of the same stats, but not completely. I mean, we never really do that anyway. For this last line, we use the same span. Yeah, yeah. Um, plus, you and I, in our own ways, use some t- sometimes use different statistics. Mm-hmm. I think you us- you usually go more specific with things. I always go. I always go full slash line. You say he's batting this with this OPS. Yeah, because I know as a listener, I'm a bad listener. So whenever I hear all those numbers stacked together, I'm like. Huh. <laughs> I know. I just like the context. Yeah, it is. It is like you know, like by saying the full slash line, you learn that he has not had an extra base hit over that time. Yeah, he is. Uh, it, it is more. It does provide more for the listener. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though sure. it might not be as easy to take in. But you yes. know what? If you're listening, you're smart. And you know what a slash line is, and you know what it represents. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, anyway, um. Now it's time to get into a preview of the week ahead. Um, looking at, I'm going to be looking at series to watch. Daniel will be looking at the day by day matchups. Uh, I understand that many of these series have started already, um, but I mean, it's funnily enough, one series ends tonight, which is Mets Yankees uh, at uh, Yankee Stadium. <laughs> so I mean, catch the last game of that. It's 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 good competition. I mean, I feel like every game between them has been pretty good. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe the series to watch because it's not a not a exactly a stacked week is Orioles White Sox. Um, <laughs> seems as though they will be playing uh, three games against each other. That's a Camden Yards. Uh, not only is it potential for the wild card race, but I mean, the White Sox uh, are still knocking on the door of that AL Central. So um, having them face a competitive team like the Orioles is going to be a test for them for sure. Uh, that's at Camden yards. And other than that, I mean, Astros twins uh, at minute Maid park twins are also fighting for the top of that AL central and maybe even a wild card spot. You know, you know, uh, the big news with that series, right? Um, with Astros twins. What is yeah. it? Carlos Correa. True. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Coming back to minute Maid uh in that twins uniform like we all expected <laughs> um and uh or actually i'll change my mind on series on best series to watch i think it's padres guardians ah. say. oh yeah the the clev series the cal quantrill series the josh <laughs> yeah. naylor series owen miller series <laughs> the owen miller series uh, uh the brad uh, hand series even though that was like four teams ago for him yeah <laughs> Yeah, um, although it is only two games, but I mean the the Francisco Mejia series. Yeah, <laughs> even though that was a team ago. Yeah, um, I'm trying to remember the prospects that aren't in the league yet, but yeah, I, yeah, that's all I can think of. <laughs> but it's it's a two game series. Padres um, fighting to keep the wild card spot. It's it's uh, competitive over there, and then um, the Guardians fighting to keep that AL Central spot. So. Yep. A little interleague action. And then, um, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, Dodgers Bre- Brewers is, is 
intriguing for sure. Um, two playoff teams as it stands right now. Uh, I think that's a three-game series. Um, is that a three-game series? Uh, yeah, Dodgers Brewers. The, yeah. the first one was played last night, so I would imagine it's a three-game series. Four, yeah. So, um, yeah, those are my series to watch. Uh, what do you got for the day-by-day matchups? So tonight on Tuesday, in minutes, we'll have Adam Wainwright taking the mound for the first end of a doubleheader for the Cardinals against the Cubs at Wrigley. Um, looks like the Cubs are throwing two righties today, which is very unfortunate for uh, Albert Pujols' type because he hit number 693 last night. Yeah, We'll have a couple of lefties in the Reds, Phillies, and Citizens Bank. you got Nick Lodolo and Ranger Suarez facing each other. Max Fried and JT Brubaker will be facing each other in Braves, Pirates at PNC. Dylan Cease and Austin Voth will be facing each other in White Sox Orioles at Camden, like Chris mentioned. Taiwan Walker and Frankie Montas will be facing each other in the finale of the Subway Series, the regular season finale of the Subway Series, because who knows what's to come. Uh, yeah. Carlos Rodon will be facing the Tigers for the Giants in the 2012 World Series rematch at Comerica. You will have uh, Corey Kluber facing the Angels for the Rays at Tropicana. Uh, you will have Ross Stripling facing the blue facing the Red Sox for the Blue Jays at Fenway. Justin Verlander will be going against the uh, Twins for the Astros in Minute Maid. There's a lot of people saying that Justin Verlander might go into the Hall of Fame with an Astros cap, and it's just absurd. Yeah, but like, I have mean, you have you forgotten? Um, true. Yeah, and I, mean, I don't mean just Ben Verlander. Yeah, <laughs> like real people. He's that <laughs> sounds he, so mean, but he was with the <laughs> he was with the Tigers for what eleven and a half years or eleven and a half years. Won an MVP, took them to the World Series twice. Was like the face of their of the results of their rebuild that included a one hundred nineteen loss season. Like, what are yeah. we doing? I mean, so I know this is a conversation for not preview to previews of the weekend ahead, but I will say, I think maybe if, if Verlander becomes like a guy who pitches into his forties and maybe wins another world series with the Astros, I could see that being a, kind of viable. It, it'll but be a, it'll be it, a debate, but I still is, think, like, I don't know. It would right have now, to take, is it stands right now? It's a tiger and it's not even close. I would agree. Yeah. Uh, you'll have Dane Dunning and Herman Marquez facing each other in Rangers-Rockies at Coors. You will have Aaron Savali and Mike Clevenger facing each other in Guardians-Padres at Petco. Pablo Lopez will be facing the A's for the Marlins at the Coliseum. Uh, by the way, did you see the attendance was 2,000? Oh, like just over 2,000 there last night? Um, Marlins at A's at the Coliseum has got to be like baseball hell. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's no just no one cares about either team. Um, I don't want to get into the details, but did you see that video that surfaced from the Coliseum from the other day? No, I haven't. Okay, you want I'll to send uh, it my way. I'll I'll send it to you. If you know, you know, but uh, it's not to be repeated on air. Okay. Um. Anyway, Robbie Ray will be facing the Nationals, his original his original uh team, uh for the Mariners at Safeco or sorry at T-Mobile. And matchup of the night comes from Brewers Dodgers. It's going to be Corbin Burns versus Tony Gonsolin. Yep, that's yep. a good one. That's a really so good one. On Wednesday, you will have uh, Kyle Wright versus Mitch Keller in uh, in Braves Pirates at PNC. You have Logan Webb facing the Tigers for the Giants at Comerica. 
Martin Perez will be facing the Rockies for the Rangers at Coors. Jesus Lazardo will be making his return to Oakland. That's fun. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. He'll be facing Cole Irvin. Uh, nice. That, that's going to be a good one. I might check that one out. Cal Quantra will be facing his former team. Uh, he'll be facing the Padres at Petco for the Guardians. George Kirby will be facing the Nationals for the Mariners. That's going to be exciting. He's a fun pitcher to watch when he's on. Uh, you will have Lucas Giolito and Spencer Watkins facing each other in Orioles White Sox at Camden. Shane McClanahan will be facing the Angels for the Rays at Tropicana. Um, Framber Valdez will be facing the Twins for the Astros in Minimade. And Andrew Heaney will be facing the Brewers for the Dodgers. Matchup of the day, you know, I know that we all had Diamondbacks Royals circled on our calendars when the season, when the schedule dropped last year. And it was for matchups like Zach Gallen versus Brady Singer. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, like the Diamondbacks and Royals, they don't get to play each other. It's the Zach Granke series. Mm-hmm. Everyone had that, you know, it's like, you know, the Yankees Dodgers play each other. Everyone is excited for that. The Cubs and Red Sox play each other. It's two storied franchises, the two oldest ballparks, of course. And you really get that same effect with Diamondbacks Royals. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's everything. It's everything. Yeah. It's, it's what baseball is all about. Exactly. And Zach Allen versus Brady Singer is a great matchup. I mean, it's what it's what dreams are made of. Yes, shout out so, to Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> on uh, on Thursday, you will have Dakota Hudson and Marcus Stroman facing each other in the uh, series finale of Cardinals Cubs at Wrigley. Tristan McKenzie will be facing the Mariners for the Guardians uh, in the opener at uh, T-Mobile for that series. That looks like a four gamer. Aaron Nola will be facing the Reds for the Phillies at Citizens Bank. Lance Lynn and Jordan Lyles will be facing each other in White Sox Orioles at Camden. Uh, not a lot is announced. Chris Archer versus Luis Garcia in Twins Astros. And based on everything that's been announced, matchup of the afternoon as of right now comes from Angels Rays. It will be Patrick Sandoval versus Drew Rasmussen. Nice, nice. Pretty decent matchup. Rasmussen, of course, almost had the perfect game. He's been excellent in the second half. And Sandoval is a budding ace for the Angels. Yeah, very much so. Uh, so, yeah, that'll do it for this installment of above replacement radio we hope you enjoyed this one if you're listening on apple podcast spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens or uh yeah just see you know you remember you maybe you're listening to apple podcast spotify and you remember when uh daniel was scrolling through the fan graphs app and want to see what that interface looks like hop over to the youtube channel it's called get the app radio no, no, it's no. Just, no <laughs> Don't go to the get YouTube the app. channel. It, it, it's <laughs> called Above Replacement Radio and subscribe to it. Um, yeah, also, if, you, if you're listening on your BlackBerry and you can't get the app. Yeah. <laughs> listening on your uh, on your Verizon what? Razor or whatever yeah. it's called. Um, and uh, if you're following on, uh, or if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran and follow the show on Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. We hope you enjoyed this one, and we hope to see you. Uh, we hope Let's to see Friday you morning on Friday. Yeah, where we will be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball once again. See you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over. <laughs>